Today's show is brought to you by LootCrate.com. Save 10% on any new subscription at TryLootCrate.com slash profit. Enter code BRIDGE10 for your 10% savings. Now it's time to get profitable. This is the Personal Profitability Podcast with Eric Rosenberg. What's up, Profiteers? Eric here with episode number 90 of the Personal Profitability Podcast. I am really excited for today's interview because I often talk about and write about how people can freelance or write their way to a full-time gig, which is exactly what I did. I started uh, writing as a side hustle way back in, well, I started my personal finance writing in 2008. I started my first blog in 2006. So I've been doing this blogging thing a while and it took years for me to be able to finally leave my job. I left my job in 2016. That's 10 years after I started blogging. Though I started as a hobby, so it ended out a little bit differently. But either way, it led to this amazing lifestyle where I get to spend time at home. I get to spend time with my family, with my kids. It's wonderful, and I love it. And Chris, today's uh, today's guest, Chris Jones, has a similar lifestyle where he gets to work at home and write full time. But he came from a very different path than me. You know, my background is two finance degrees. Chris got an art degree, as we'll talk about early in this interview. So I won't take his thunder. I will let Chris tell you his story. It's a great one. We'll dive in in one minute right after this. Even profiteers have to let loose sometime, and when I want to take a break, I love 80s movies like Ghostbusters. But how do you indulge in a passion for something like that? Well, of course, the answer is Loot Crate. Loot Crate is like Comic-Con in a box. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items delivered to your door that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, and unique one-of-a-kinds for Ghostbusters and other fun brands. If you want to subscribe through the Personal Profitability Podcast, you can get 10% off. Head to trylootcrate.com slash profit and enter code BRIDGE10 at checkout for your 10% savings. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the one and only Chris Jones. Chris, are you ready to get profitable? Oh, yeah, you know it. Heck yeah. So we were talking right before we hit record. We are both dads whose children go through our homes like hurricanes and leave a mess. And through all of that, we still have time to write. I'm a blog writer. My primary income is from personal finance, entrepreneurship, and travel article writing. But Chris is... It looks like he's got some books in his history. He's written about a whole lot of things and some really cool interviews. So, Chris, how did you get started and what led you down the path of becoming a writer? Uh, it's funny. My degree is in art. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just and, and for me, I think it all connects them because it's just it's one big creative process. When I was 18 years old, I had suffered an injury. And my, my mom had been pressing me to go to college and I didn't want to go. I was burned out from high school. But I had nothing better to do except to lay down and wait for uh, my knee at ACL reconstruction, wait to recover. So I decided to go to school on my crutches. And when I got there, uh, I was greeted by an amazing art teacher. Uh, she was my art history teacher, and she just kind of picked up on the fact that I was a creative individual. She's like, hey, what's your major? I said, oh, I think I want to be a teacher. And she said, teacher, what? 
And <laughs> she said, you're really, you're really creative. She said, I want to try you out on a few things. So she put me on these, just a lot of creative stuff with art. And I ended up getting, you know, moving on from there, getting a degree in art. And then uh, one of my first jobs out of the gate was working for a newspaper in the production department. So I was doing a lot of art stuff in the production department, graphic design, brochure design. And I noticed that they had an opening for a sports writer. And it didn't get filled for like three weeks. No in, no inquiries, nothing. So I approached the sports editor and he put me in touch with the managing editor. And from there, they gave me an opportunity to write. Uh, I wrote my first sports story that Friday night covering the high school football team. Uh, came in Monday morning, heard the publisher wanted to see me. So I was like, uh-oh, what's this all about? <laughs> oh, I'm guessing based on the ACL injury, you've had some sports in your past? I have, yes, yes, I, I, I did. So I was a big football fanatic, loved football, uh, played played baseball, played uh, soccer growing up, played some intramural basketball, so lots of sports in the background. And so yeah, that's how I got my start, though. The publisher invariably asked me to stay in the sports department, and that's, uh, that's what got me into writing. That's a very cool serendipitous chain of events, but what I love about it is it draws on that history that you love sports and you were an athlete. You found that creative outlet. Um, you had, so it sounds like a, a mentor-type relationship with that art history teacher. And when you married that all up with the right opportunity in the right moment, boom, you're a writer. Yeah. That is so cool. I have to ask an art history person or art person, what is your favorite art museum you've ever been to? Oh, man, there have been so many really good ones. But honestly, my favorite one, the one that I love to go to is the Freer Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. Uh, and that one is just chock full of Asian art. Very cool. I'm going to have to check that out. My my favorite has always been, well, not always, since I went the first time, the Musée d'Orsay in Paris. And I know it's like right next to the Louvre and everyone gushes about the Louvre and the Mona Lisa. I'm like, I would take the Musée d'Orsay and all those impressionists any day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on, onto the good stuff, the stuff people really want to hear about. So you got in this writing gig, um, you're writing for a newspaper. At some point you transitioned to writing, uh, you've written the art and business of writings. You wrote a book about writing. What was it like jumping from writing you know, a newspaper article, you know, things like high school sports and covering the local sports scene, to writing a book? It was a completely different process. Writing a book is it's very labor-intensive. It's definitely something that, in hindsight, I wish I had done a little bit more preparation on. I just kind of jumped in two feet. They call it, you know, with two feet, they call it like panting, you know, just you just go for it, you start writing. And I and the first time I actually tried to write the book, I did it during NaNoWriMo. A friend of mine had mentioned NaNoWriMo. I'd never heard of it. He said, yeah, it's just 30 days. You try to write an entire novel in 30 days. You got to put together 50,000 words. He said, let's do it. I was like, let's do it. So I tried it. I failed miserably. I didn't even get, I got like 22,000 words. But hey, That's pretty good. 22,000 words in a month on a... You know, on a whim that's pretty good yeah it wasn't too bad it's funny because the book uh like and a lot of writers will tell you that books kind of take a mind of their own it, it started off being about writing process and how i write because a lot of people always ask well how do you write the way you do from a journalist side making sure that writers kind of feel the story so i started off writing that way and then the book completely switched into more of a marketing manual. So I don't know. I mean, books take a mind of their own. There was a lot of frustration. It took me 18 months to really get down and get it done. It, it's something that's a lot easier for me to do now. The first time was, yeah, it was a chore. I won't lie. I've written, I have one short book. It's about 50 pages. So I don't know if I'd even go as far as to call it a book, <laughs> a, <laughs> an, an ebook I wrote. And I'm underway on a much longer book. I'm shooting for 60,000 words, and I've been stuck at about an eighth of the way done 
for way too long. I need to just kick myself in the butt and finish it. So you know, when you when you were writing, you said it took 18 months to get that book done. Um, was it like pulling teeth, forcing yourself to just sit there and hit the keyboard? Was it like storyboarding? What was your process like of putting a book together? Well, I got stuck. Like I said, it, the book began to take a mind of its own. As I wrote, after I got through the nano phase and I was kind of editing the book, I looked at it and as I was scouring the the draft, I realized that there was other stuff I wanted to talk about, but it didn't fit at all. But I had more of the stuff that didn't fit than the stuff that did fit that I wanted to talk about. So I had to almost blow it up and nearly start over. I had to cut a lot of stuff out. And I said, well, you know, I can use this stuff for blog material. So I set it all aside and decided I would use the stuff that wasn't going to go in the book as blog material so it wasn't lost forever. And then um, I started to reshape it and it started to come together. But then I got to a point where I got so frustrated with the book, I didn't look at it for six months. I, was, I, I got to an impasse. I was like, I don't know what else to do with this. I'm not sure what direction I want to take this in. So I took some time off. And then uh, my, my friend Jason had launched a podcast and him and I had been talking about doing podcasts. And he said, dude, launch your podcast, man. Just go for it and watch your ideas flow as you start you know, interviewing guests. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I launched my podcast. And once I started with the podcast, Everything like I don't know, it was like a like lightning in a bottle. It all just bam, it hit all at one time. How to finish the book, it just came to me. And so I spent the next two months re- revising and editing and tightening the book up, and it finally all came together just in that one spurt. It sounds very um Tim Ferris like. I know his newest book, or I think it's his newest book. Maybe he's come up with another by now. He's like a machine. <laughs> Tools of <laughs> Titans came out of his podcast. He was talking to podcast guests and he got so many great ideas, he turned it into a book. So I love that podcast to book bridge. Maybe yeah. that'll maybe that'll be the motivation I need to really finish my book. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's just funny where inspiration comes from. Like you always, you're always trying to force yourself to sit at the keyboard. I had, I had to learn that I, that my most creative times are away from the keyboard, whether it's washing dishes or cleaning my car or just doing something non-process, non-creative. That all the ideas flow when I'm not forcing them. For me, one of the most creative places is the shower. I actually got a shower <laughs> podcast speaker that's waterproof. So I can listen to podcasts in the shower. I, there, I have um, bathtub markers for kids that I can write ideas on the shower wall. Although, admittedly, they don't really work that well in a steamy shower like they do in a bathtub wall. I, I've yet to figure out the perfect solution to write ideas down in the shower. But when you're standing there and don't have anything else to do... That's when I come up with the best ideas myself. It's always that way. There's no winning that battle. <laughs> <laughs> so let's shift gears a little. So I think you've interviewed tons of really cool people. Um, one that stuck out to me is Rachel Ray. What was it like uh, getting into the world of celebrity interviews? And were there any surprises along the way when you were going to interview someone and they were totally not what you expected? The irony is that Rachel Ray was that person. She was my first and the one I wasn't expecting to be the way she was. (laughs) Rachel was coming to do a book signing for her book, you know, My Life and Food, at the local Wegmans grocery store. My sister loves Wegmans. She just moved to Virginia like a year and a half ago, and she goes on and on about Wegmans. Oh, dude, it's it's not a grocery store. It's like a shopping experience, man. (laughs) (laughs) But so she was coming to Wegmans and Wegmans has this gigantic like receiving room on the second floor where people come and do book signings and such and so forth. So she came there and um, I was working as a magazine editor at the time. And so I talked to my director of operations. I said, I need to get a hold of her publicist. Can you figure that out and get that to me? So she figured out who it was. She talked to Wegmans. They got it for us. We came in. I sat next to Rachel Ray while she was signing books and just had a just a fantastic conversation with her but it's funny because like she's so like 
I guess for me, I, I couldn't pick up the vibe on TV that, you know, she's a little high maintenance. She seems really cool in, on TV, but then, yeah, you sit down with her. And I think some of it's just that she's signing books. She's, she's trying to divide her attention between me and other people. But uh, it, I mean, it was she wasn't uh, wasn't like Sabri- Sabrina Soto was fun to interview. Sabrina was like just hanging out with like my best friend in the whole world. She was so like down to earth. Rachel, you know, you could tell Rachel was a little more uh, high maintenance in terms of just personality wise with different different personalities. But uh, did she at least feed you? No, she didn't feed me. <laughs> but she signed the book for me. She was really cool, very gracious. Uh, but she was the, she was actually the first celebrity that I'd ever interviewed. And once I did that, and I learned, man, these people are really more accessible than I probably think they are. I started challenging myself to reach out to more high profile people. Yeah, I I had the same thing. I went to uh, there's a conference I talk about a lot in this podcast called FinCon. It's a financial blogging and media conference. I've been to every single one. And I am friends with this guy. His name's J.D. Roth. He has a site called Get Rich Slowly. The first time we ever met, actually the first time we didn't meet that we were in the same room was at the first FinCon. I saw him sitting there on a couch um, just chatting with people in the hotel lobby. And I was too nervous to walk up and introduce myself because he was this big name blogger. And who was I? This guy just started this little website a few years ago. Now I have his number in my phone. I I reach out to these people, um, you know, Pat Flynn, I know all these guys I know uh, because of these conferences. But if I hadn't gone to them and gotten to know them in person, I would think they were like up on another level, like some of those celebrities, like you can't really talk to them and interact with them. Uh, but there were just people like us. They just happen to do a really cool job that a lot of people know them. So don't be afraid to you know, reach out. You never know. You never know where it might go. No, you definitely don't. So what do you do now to keep yourself busy? I know you have a radio show, you write, you interview. Uh, what has your business turned into over time? Uh, my business really has started to evolve into more uh, ghostwriting now. So I'm doing a lot more of that. So I'm helping people who just don't have time to write to put their books together. So they'll contact me and say, hey, look, here's my book. We'll have a conversation. I'll you know, get a feel for who they are, what they sound like. We'll do some recording. And then I'll start to put their books together. So I'm in my second book right now. Uh, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun to do that. Uh, I think that having the journalism background helps a lot with that. Um, because I'm, natural, I'm generally naturally curious. So I like to really be inside of people's heads when I interview them. So I think I'm having a lot more fun in the ghostwriting space than I am actually writing my own books. So how, I, mean, I wouldn't ask you to name names or anything, but how do you get into the world of ghostwriting? Were you approached the first time? Or were you thinking, you know, I'm tired of writing my own stuff. Let's try out this ghostwriting thing and see where it goes. I was approached the first time. There was a, a, friend, a mutual friend of mine had found a lady on Facebook who said that she was looking for someone to help her write a book. So he sent her my way. Her and I got together. We had coffee. We chatted up for like an hour at Starbucks, got a chance to know each other. And she's like, yeah, I feel comfortable with you. Let's write my book. Did the And the book's done. I'm guessing it came out well if you're doing it again. We're, yeah, we're, <laughs> um, we got a publisher for the book. And so we're uh, in that space right now where I'm uh, actually right before you called, I was working on going through some editor changes. So we're almost at the stage where the book's being handed over to book design. So we're looking to wrap up the entire book in January to start the distribution and, and publishing side. You know, when I put my first book together, I self-published it on Amazon. Um, you know, it makes it really easy with Create Space. But for your book, did you go through a traditional publisher or did you self-publish? And if you could go back and do it again, would you do it the other way? So for my book, talking about the art and business of writing, the one I wrote? Yes. Yeah. So for that one, I self-published. I would always self-publish. Ten, you know, 10 times out of 10, I'd probably self-publish. And, I, and the reason I would self-publish is because I like having creative control. I like having marketing control. And I just 
I love the challenge of seeing what I can do with a product. And what are your big steps? You know, let's say you have a checklist when you finish your self-published book, you've written it, you're ready to put it out there. What do you do to make sure people actually buy it and you're not just an author of a book no one's ever heard of? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, prior to, I spent a lot of time in email. So that's when you, you know, about mid, you know, midstream, I'm letting people know, hey, I've got this book. I'm almost done with it. Sign up to be on the email list. I'll keep you, with, keep you going with updates. And then those people will invariably get discounts on the book if they sign up because they signed up to jump, you know, to be along for the ride. But once the book is out, that's when I kind of put the grassroots strategy into play where I'm starting to look for places locally where I can get into. So I'm starting to look at, okay, well, let's go to my local library. Let's do some photo ops there. So I'm looking for all the easy, like the low hanging fruit, which I think a lot of authors should just do instead of trying to go straight to the top of the tree. What's your low hanging fruit? What are local publications that you can dive into, get interviews with? Uh, can you use sites like Haro to become like a subject matter expert? What podcasts can you get on uh, right out of the gate? So you start to so once you get to that point where you've got the manuscript, you've sent it off to be edited. Which you know when you send it off to an editor, you're looking at three weeks to a month before you get it back. During that entire month is when you should pretty much start massaging the strategy. Okay, well, who do I need to contact while the while the manuscript is gone to start setting up interviews? Because podcasters, as you know, have their schedule full sometimes a month or two or three in advance. So you want to make sure that you can hop on so that when the book does come back, you've got the cover on it and you're ready to go. That's maybe another you know few weeks or a month. Then all you've got is a month to wait before you can actually get on some of the shows that you want to get on. I love it. That's all, you know, this is all great stuff. Very actionable tips and advice. I'm, I'm imagining you give out lots of this kind of advice on your show and, and everything else you're doing. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to learn more, if they want to eat up all that great creative content you are putting out there, where should they go? Uh, you can visit my site. It's readywritelaunch.com. Uh, and, and that's where you'll find, you know, content. You'll find a lot of the old podcast episodes on there. You can subscribe to the podcast, which is the art and business of writing. And it's a weekly podcast. And it's just, a, it's chock full of really, really great interviews and some self shows that you'll get a lot of, a lot of great stuff out of if you're an author or someone looking to break in. Thank you so much. And listeners, as always, that will all be linked in the show notes. If you head to personalprofitability.com, you will be able to find all of those goodies there. So thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time to chat with us today and have an awesome rest of your day. Yeah. And if, you, if your listeners want, I've got a, a freebie that they can take with them. Oh, like. I love freebies. Yeah, Let's yeah, do the so. freebie. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to presskit.readywritelaunch.com, I've got a little a short ebook that tells you how to build your first press kit for your book. Perfect. So, and that's in whether you're a, uh, a book writer or a blogger doing anything else, a press kit can be super helpful. So definitely a useful tool to have in your back pocket there. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah. Thanks so much, Eric. Well, there is the wraps on another one, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for sticking around. As always, you can find the show notes at personalprofitability.com slash episode nine zero. That's for episode 90. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed this interview with Chris. I had a lot of fun chatting with him. Make sure to support our sponsors. That is the only way this show makes money. And if not, as always, please share it with a friend. Leave a five-star rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen to podcasts, that's a huge help to me. And that is all for today. Thanks for sticking around till the end. And until next time, stay profitable. Stay profitable.